You're listening to Fat Bike Life on Mountain Bike Radio. Thanks for joining me for this first episode of Fat Bike Life. The whole goal of the show is to bring basically the fat bike world to you. It's going to include riding, racing, gear, uh, anything that goes into it. Um, and I'm not just focusing on winter. The hunting, fishing, there's people doing bike packing. there's people doing everything you could possibly think of. These first few episodes, they are going to be a little fat bike race heavy. As you might know, I'm the race director for the Fat Bike Frozen 40 up in Minnesota, and part of that, or that is part of the Great Lakes Fat Bike Series. So I'm going to re- uh, interview a few of uh, my fellow race directors. Uh, but this first episode, I have Brian Davis. He is the guy behind the Weatherneck. Uh, he's also the guy that was behind Fix It Sticks, Back Bottle, and uh, he's doing a lot of cool things. He's from Wisconsin, and uh, he has a Kickstarter going on right now. You can check that out in the show notes. But uh, I wanted to get him on before that Kickstarter ends, and uh, since I've known him for a while, I thought it would be a great way to get this kicked off. So if you have any questions, comments, you can send them to ben at mountainbikeradio.com. And if you enjoy what you're hearing and you get value out of Mountain Bike Radio in general, please go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR. And as always, you can always leave a review anywhere you listen to it, multiple places. That'd be really good. I guess a one, if you're just not feeling it and we're not doing a good job, Five, if we're doing a good job and you get something out of it, I would appreciate it. Again, any questions, send me an email. Otherwise, enjoy this episode. I'm here with Brian Davis. He is from several things. We will talk about the Weatherneck today. You can find information at theweatherneck.com. But you probably recognize, you will probably recognize him more from uh, Fix It Sticks, which was his first big kickstarter project that uh became very popular and for good reason we're not going to dig too much into fix it sticks today but uh we're going to talk about the weather next so brian thank you for joining me hey thanks for having me ben i really appreciate it it's great yeah, to be on it's it's good to finally talk to you we uh exchange emails and all that stuff all the time and it's good to uh it's good to finally talk to you i agree that was me <laughs> a so, good warm-up session to get to know you a little bit better yeah absolutely all right so people can, I can link to a couple of different episodes that you've been out there, but you've been on some podcasts. You were on a radio, sh- a local radio show in Wisconsin. I should mention to listeners, uh, Brian. So actually, let me back up. So the first time that I saw Fix It Sticks pop up and I dug into it a little bit and I'm like, man, Appleton, Wisconsin. No kidding. Right. Because my wife is from Green Bay and uh, anyhow. So long story short, and I'm from Wisconsin. So I was like, holy man, this company is doing this right in Appleton. And clearly from the videos, it was right out of your garage. So I thought it was <laughs> awesome. It was, it was great. So that's what got me hooked in right away. And then I checked it out and used them and it was like a no brainer. So it was really cool. It was really cool to see that. And from that point on, I've, you know, I've kept in touch with Brian and uh, kind of seen things. He had the back bottle, backbottle.com. Uh, and then the first, iteration of the weather neck and now the second one so it's been a good progression to see you go from job to working on your own to uh doing this and raising all this money and putting some cool products out there so first of all congratulations well thanks i appreciate yeah. it yeah it's been a it's been a good and uh interesting ride that's for sure <laughs> yeah. so let's talk i want to talk about that a little bit i want to give people a, a little idea of how you start this like where you where do you even come up with the ideas? It seems like you're a guy that just has a million ideas and it'll take you until the end of time to, to kind of work through those. But uh, how do you even get going on the something like the Weatherneck? Where does that process begin? You know, from I get asked that question a lot. You know, how do you come up with ideas? And um, the answer is astoundingly simple. I uh, am easily annoyed at things. So I'll, I just ride my bike and... I guess I'm kind of in tune to being annoyed with stuff. And so whenever I feel myself being even slightly frustrated, I think, well, how would I have done it? 
and uh, and I just kind of go through that process of how I would do things. So the weatherneck started because I wore a uh, a buff out on a chilly ride, and it was actually because Alberto Contador had this image of him on a podium or training somewhere. I don't know where it was, but he had a a, a cuff around his neck, and his was like a knitted almost like a sweater thing around his neck. So I was, I was looking at that and I'm like, that's a good idea. That that's like, that would help a lot. So, um, so I went out and got something similar to a buff and put that around my neck. And then I went for a ride. I thought, Oh, this is really cool. I like this. And then later on I got hot or I think it was a group ride. I was on the, you know, the pace picked up and then, and then I saw why you don't see this on everybody is because you can't get rid of that thing. And then so for the next 20 minutes or 20 miles or however long it was that particular day, I was most annoyed. I seemed like 50 miles at that point. Yeah, right. I just perseverated on just, man, I got to figure out like I like started. I loved starting a ride with this thing around my neck, but I hated having it around my neck when I was huffing and puffing and working hard or or overheating or the sun came out or whatever it was. So somehow there's got to be a balance here to be able to do what I want to do. And um, so I made my. My first prototype, this is years ago, before I had even thought about having any sort of product uh, in my life. Uh, I took a stocking cap, cut the top off, and then that was the tube, and then uh, cut a slit down it and put some Velcro on each side. I believe the first time, because I didn't know how to sew yet, I'm pretty sure I used um, adhesive Velcro. <laughs> okay. So then I went out and tried it out once or twice. I'm like, this is great. It solved it solved all those problems. Um, but then, the, you know, the more I started playing around with it, the Velcro kind of came undone or got the dirty. And then when I would throw it in the wash with my other stuff, it would scratch up the, the or pill up the cycling jersey. So I put it away for a long time. And then I launched Fix-It Sticks and, um, you know, kind of got some traction with that. I got to know people in the press and I got an email list of people that bought stuff from me. So that sort of changed my whole perspective on being annoyed to – well, if I'm annoyed, great. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe there's some other people that are annoyed too. So, um, uh, so then I, I just, oh, I taught myself how to sew when I was doing fix it sticks because I needed to make a case and I was desperately cheap, uh, slash poor. Uh, so I thought, well, if I could make my own cases, I could save a lot of money on packaging these things up and sending them to people. So that's what I did. I, I sewed recycled bicycle tubes together to make a pouch for fix-it sticks yeah. so out of desperation i through that process i taught myself how to sew and then um so fix it you know fast forward a few years through the whole fix-it sticks process and then i start looking at products and like or, or or hacks that i had in the past of maybe i could make that into a product and then that's how the first weather neck was born i just want to clean that up and make it work better and step number one was getting rid of the velcro and then i had a lot of thoughts or concepts and ideas of how I all concept work, uh, which is not as easy as it sounds because those tube ones, like the buff, they, I mean, they are what they are. It's a really stretchy material, so it, it's easily a one-size-fits-all, but if you put something in the back that separates, the stretchiness kind of goes out the window. You don't get as much force in the stretch, so... So it sort of changed everything to to put a magnet back there, or if I even if I would have stuck with Velcro, it changed everything. So, okay. So then we started cutting up a ton of different shapes and sizes, and you know, on and on and on, and then eventually got to printing them, and um, and there were things that you know I didn't like about the first one. So, no. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back into the process. When you, I just want to give listeners kind of a detailed uh, break, not not step-by-step -step breakdown, but some of the, the goods and the bads of, uh, getting this done, you know, from yep. the different materials to going to, I think you've said you get, uh, do you get these done in Milwaukee or, uh, they're sewn in Milwaukee. The fabric yeah. now is from Pennsylvania. Okay. But you know, in the process of doing that, where, uh, uh, you know, you go into Milwaukee with these one idea of how to get these sewn. And then they're like, man, you have no idea. Like take us back in the initial process of the the first version of the Weatherneck, which you was it last year you released? Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. So so I had the concept and I sewed one or two myself, and I realize I'm a terrible sewer, but um, my neighbor mentioned to me that I was lamenting how difficult this project was turning into when it should be so easy to make something sewn. 
it's, this should not be hard, right? So then uh, she mentioned to me that a friend of hers used to do prototype sewing. And so she connected me with this person and I went out and met with uh, Cynthia who does prototype sewing. And then I spent the next three months visiting Cynthia probably every other day <laughs> to look at a new shape or a new prototype or a new stitch or even the thread that we're going to use. Like everything gets scrutinized. Um, so she's the one that kind of gets it uh, about 60% polished up. And then I try to go find somebody to produce it. So the first version of Weathernecks were produced by a company in Green Bay and they were, you know, they're, they're good for what they are, but they weren't what I needed. I needed somebody with a little more design expertise to interject into my concept. And I didn't get that on the first one, which is, it's okay. It's not a big deal, but um, it would have been helpful to have that. But in any event, they, uh, they made some changes based on what they could do in production and still be efficient. And, um, so it always changes, you know, and even up like this latest one up until two weeks before launch, I changed a pretty significant portion of how the hat worked. And, um, I'm glad I did, but when it was like, I think it was even one week before we launched, I changed the face mask pretty significantly again. So <laughs> you're always tweaking with it, I guess it never ends. Yeah. And we'll talk about the details of how that works. Uh, just a reminder, listeners, you can go to the weatherneck.com or you could search and I'll put the links in the show notes too. You can go to Kickstarter and search uh, the Weatherneck system. I think it'll pull it up or you just type in Weatherneck and there's some good videos on there and some fun. <laughs> Brian has a really good way of uh, just doing fun videos. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, the mullets, yeah, yeah there's, there's all kinds of stuff on there. He does, uh, he's been doing some live Kickstarter, just started doing this live version. So he's been doing a few of those. Uh, so he's, he's very open and, uh, quite experienced. And just as you look through the picture on Kickstarter, <laughs> there's one of him with a, <laughs> with mullets. So he has this, uh, big skin, whatever wow. fur hat on and some teeth and some goofy, uh, but it's funny. <laughs> I mean, you can get from this from this Kickstarter page, you can get a really good idea of uh, what Brian's up to. So yep, I recommend going to check that out. All right. So I want to ask about the colors because we were talking before the show and I listened to it on uh, the, was it the Midwest Cycling Podcast? You guys were yep, talking so, about the, yep. the printing and uh, how the different colors affect the wicking. And can you take us back to that process and why you're only doing black currently? Yeah, it actually started because of a, a sewing issue. So the company that I had in Green Bay, I was going to go back to them because I didn't really know any better or have anybody anybody else to go to go see. And there's nothing against them. They're just not, again, not quite the service that I needed. It was not quite the right vendor relationship. So anyway, they said they couldn't do it because they got swamped with a government contract. So now I'm scrambling, looking for somebody that's going to sew the new de design. And, and I knew I needed a little bit of help with polishing the design on the new Weatherneck. So they referred me to a company in Milwaukee and then a company up in uh, northern Wisconsin. So in through those conversations, um, oh, the gentleman in northern Wisconsin mentioned to me that he had a patent on sublimating that didn't affect the wicking properties of the fabric. And I said, well, what does that mean? I mean, is it normally affected by sublimation? He says, oh, yeah, we're the only ones with the patent that doesn't affect the sublimation. So he went on to explain it. And the best explanation that he gave me was imagine taking, um, you know, a, a giant handful of straws in your hand and holding them vertically. And you could imagine, you know, you could still suck water out of each one of those straws just fine. It would work great. Uh, and uh, now melt the tops of all those straws closed and try to suck any water through there. So obviously it's not going to work. So that's essentially what sublimation does to the tops of these types of fabrics is it, it exposes it to so much heat that it melts the top of the capillaries um, and it uses those capillary action to wick sweat to the outside of the garment. And then once it's on the outside of the garment, the air can dry the moisture. So the previous versions of Weathernecks would move the moisture away from your skin, uh, but it would end up getting sort of trapped in the fabric. So you'll experience this as a as someone who is into sports when you'll get a garment that just sort of stays wet and heavy. And um, he gave me a good example that's relatively famous. There was, a, I believe, a, a very large company with a swoosh made um, 
made some soccer jerseys for a, a big football outfit in Europe, and they didn't sublimate correctly somehow. So the team gets all these things, and then the players play the game, and by the time the game is over, each player is about eight pounds heavier than they were when it started because the fabrics were not working the way they're supposed to work. So that was fascinating because I'd noticed that. you know, I'd go on a wet ride or I'd, I'd be out sweating, really working hard, and I'd be like, man, this thing, like, it doesn't feel gross at all. Like, it still felt good, but it, it just didn't work as well as I had hoped it would. And then it all kind of came crashing down. I'm like, ah, oh, I totally get it. So that's why on the new one, um, I'm committed to just dyeing fabrics. I really want to avoid sublimating in the future. I'll do it if somebody wants a custom order, but I'll explain all this to them so they know what they're getting. Um, but if I do a dye lot, then I have to commit to a pretty large amount of yardage. And that slows my roll. So that's why we went with black because uh, it goes with everything. And um, I sold on the last campaign, I sold the black version of the Weatherneck, or as black as you could get, probably 10 to 1 versus all the other colors. So it's it's still no the, the dominant color, and the system works way better by having dyed fabric. And it looks better, too, because, Ben, if you had the last one, you'll know, like, the fabric on the outside it would look, I thought it looked pretty good, but once it would flip inside out at all, you'd see all the white, and it would just be sort of jarring to it's weird yeah to have that difference right yeah it just didn't look as pro as i would like it to right. so yeah back to the annoying part you don't want to be yes annoyed. <laughs> right <laughs> right and so that's i'm glad you said that that is the worst thing in the world to be annoyed with your own product because <laughs> oh, yeah. you know exactly who to blame yeah exactly <laughs> you and the thing is too is people you know people offer advice and like you know, you'll get those people that have bad reviews or whatever and just give you a hard time, right? There's always oh, yeah. people. But it's yep. nothing that you don't already think yourself. Like you're yes. your hardest critic. Oh yeah. There's it's very rare really that I'll hear a new piece of advice from someone. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, I was wondering how long it would take for somebody to say something about that, you know. Yeah. And I'm pretty open about it. You know, I'm not real good at being uh uh guarded especially if you listen to these podcasts I've been on or, or know me at all. I'm not real good at that. So, um, you know, I'm pretty free and easy with the information yeah. of maybe, maybe too much, you know, where I tell people stuff, well, you don't want to do that cause that won't work. And, oh boy. Yeah. No, and I, I will get to that. I, I didn't tell you before we started recording that I'm going to have you talk about the concrete story. So, Oh, right. But uh, first, so yeah, he, uh, there's a little mess with uh, concrete this summer. Uh, but first let's, let's talk about the actual weather next. So we have to give listeners a mental picture because they could be driving or something. So if somebody's never seen this, how do you explain the, the current version? So what you're doing now on Kickstarter, can you give them a mental picture of exactly what they are dealing with? Yeah, I think so. So if they, a lot of, I've learned a lot of people aren't familiar with this term, so I'll try it two ways. If you're familiar with a balaclava, um, that's how you pronounce it looks those. like that. That's the first thing I always, yeah. hear. that's what you call those. <laughs> and uh, if you're not familiar with that term, essentially it's a, a hat and a and a bandana combined is what a balaclava is, and it's pretty much what a weatherneck is. So the the thing that makes my product unique is that most balaclavas in the world are one item. So it, it's a hood connected to a face mask, and you can't ever disconnect the two. Which sounds like it'd be good, but when you know in re in real life, when you get started on your activity of running or riding or racing or whatever you're doing, anything that's stuck around your neck when you don't want it there anymore feels like something is trying to kill you. I mean, it is the worst feeling to have that happening, and all you want to do is stop and take it off. Well, that's a big process, right? On a bike, you got to stop, take your helmet off, take your sunglasses off, take your ear earbuds out, take this hood off, put it all back together, and then this is something i've never discussed like then you have to hope you got it right because it it always feels really hot and then you take it off you're like yeah. oh man it's still too cold i shouldn't have taken that off yeah. <laughs> so the weather neck uh, gives you the flexibility where you can pull off the face you can leave the hat on of course but you can pull the face mask off and the feeling you get is just it's really it's like nothing else when you're starting to overheat just that little bit and you get it in your head that you're about to have a miserable uh, rest of your afternoon, pop that thing off your face and it is like winning the lottery. It's awesome, man. So it, that part's cool. And then even the hat, I made it really long. So I call it the mullet hat 
because I really wanted it to cover your neck as deeply as possible because that's really where I get cold is around my head and my neck. So with the mullet hat, if you get, if you know, say you took the face mask off and then you're still too hot on your neck, you just roll that thing up and tuck it into itself. And now your neck is getting full, full air as it would with any other hat. So it gives you a lot of different ways to control your temperature just by adding or removing things, which is pretty neat. So, and then also with the, the face part of it too, you don't have to pull it off all the way. What you can do is if you do pull it off and then you're riding for a while and then you're like, man, my neck's kind of cold. You can just put it around your neck, snap the magnets together and just use it just around your neck too. Yeah. And that's probably how I wear it probably 90% of the time is I'll, you know, if it's really pretty chilly out, I'll start with it over my nose for the first five minutes, but that's usually all it takes. And then I'll drop it below my chin and the rest of the ride, I'll, I'll have it below my chin, just around my neck and keeping that little wind protection away from your uh, blood vessels in your neck is, is a huge part of how you maintain your body temperature. So that part's nice. You get a lot of, you get a lot of heat trapped in that area it makes you much more comfortable yeah all right let's talk about some of the specifics like the material thickness i mean is this something that you can wear under pretty much every helmet and have no problem or is this something that your yeah it's really helmet, thin. Yeah, okay. so you know like i a guy uh, talked to me yesterday he's like oh you should do a, a insulated version for hunting and i'm like nope that's not that's not really if your plan is to sit in a stadium or sit in a tree for four hours this is not the product for you in its current state. So this product is dependent on you doing action. So you are going to warm up throughout your activity. And that's why this hat makes the most sense because it doesn't suffocate you with too much insulation or the neck piece either. It's really relatively thin. There's no windproof material in there. So it's not like crunchy or, uh, or coarse or feels rough by any means. It's actually the, the material itself is a yoga pants material. So getting all yoga pants. Yeah. So we put yoga pants right on your face. <laughs> um, which it feels great in your hand, you know, it's super soft. It's really a nice hand feel, they call it. Um, but it's, it's nice and stretchy and it does an exceptional job now that it's died. It does an exceptional job of wicking the moisture away from your, from your skin and, and drying out. So like I pulled, pulled one out of the wash the other day and just magnetized it to the dryer while I dried the rest of my load. Cause you shouldn't put the magnets in the dryer. And by the time I got back, the rest of the clothes that were in the dryer were dry. And the one that was on just hanging on the front of the, um, dryer was, I'd say 90% dry just in the same amount of time. So how cool is that? That was neat. That's a really good idea. Yeah, it is. I was going to post a picture of that too at the like, end of the campaign. Just it's just like, here's man. how you dry it. Just click yeah, it right exactly. on. For any clothes that you have to hang up, you could just like hang stuff with magnets on the dryer. Be there you go. Dryer. Well, I'll help you kickstart it. Jeez. <laughs> come up with some special magnet, some name. Oh, but, but yeah, so let's talk about the magnets because it's kind of unique. Actually, really unique. I don't know of many garments that I have that have magnets that attach things. So um, talk about how that works and how that kind of fits back in the top of the head. Yeah, so the uh, the unique part, uh, so I've applied for a um, patent actually on this, the way this works. So in the back of the hat, there's three metal washers that are sewn into place and they're lined up horizontally. So they're about, well, they are an inch apart. So, um, so that's how they sit. And then there's magnets in the face mask, one on each side of this trapezoid shape. So you put the trapezoid over your face and you there's two again two magnets on each side so if you put the magnets into the middle washer and they snap in place there that's what i call medium and then if you put the magnets to the outside washers that's what i call large which would rest comfortably uh, around your neck and then if you want to if it's really cold out or if you're a smaller person then you crisscross the magnets behind you and then that makes it really tight so that process is is I mean, I love it because it does a great job. I can put it on my, my seven-year-old was wearing it last night at the Appleton Christmas parade and, uh, and it fit him just great. And then I gave it to a, another friend of ours who's a 40 year old man and it fit him just great. Same garment. So, and they both put the face mask up and they both could adjust it where they needed to. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. And, and use wise, you, you mentioned all these different uses, uh, you've been trying it out running yourself. Uh, how, I mean, what would you say to somebody thinking about, oh man, I do a lot of running. 
as well. I mean, what are yeah, you it's funny the the running didn't occur to me right away. I was kind of too stuck, stuck in cycling. This. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely stuck in cycling, but then I kind of got stuck in the because it's silent because they're magnets. There's no Velcro sound, so when you pull it off and it's all black, 100% all black, like there's definitely a use case in the military for this item. So I was kind of angling into the tactical and hunting crowd to to try to get some feedback there and i just honestly sort of blanked on running um so it finally got cold enough here where i wanted to wear one on a run and i don't run often i only run in the off season of cycling which we're in which we're in so like okay i'll go and i've ran two marathons in my life so like i'm not a total stranger to running but um but i it's not something i'm super passionate or knowledgeable about so I uh, I did it the other day and I thought, man, this works so well because the temperature change in running is so extreme that, you know, you go out on a 20 degree day that's cold and windy or overcast, it's miserable. But you start with this thing over your face and that's bearable and then you run 10 minutes and then all you want to do is get that thing off your face. Yeah. And that's where the weather net comes in handy. You just rip it off your face, you're good. And then by the time I got about 10 minutes away from finishing my run, my neck was even starting to heat up too much. So I curled in the mullet hat and uh and then i got some fresh air down the back of my neck which felt awesome and uh so at the end of the day i was like man this works out great and then the mesh we didn't really talk about the mesh breathing in the no, center yeah. section or the hat but... yeah i was going to ask you about that explain explain that yeah so the uh the what i was after is like when i would wear these other products around my face i, I kept struggling for air and i didn't like that so i wanted to uh I wanted to have it much more breathable in the front. So down the middle of the face mask is just a streak, a whole stripe of mesh material. And it's, it's pretty meshy, you know, so it lets in a lot of air, but it also, more importantly, it blows out a lot of air. So you can, so I ran this little run I did and I'm running up a pretty steep hill, huffing and puffing when I get to the top, of course, but I had it over my face and I'm taking in full breath at max heart rate and blowing out at full breath and it wasn't impeding. It didn't feel miserable at all. And really neat part about that too, is it's a huge tactic of mine to try to reduce fogging in the glasses because the, uh, the fogging occurs because when you blow out your nose, air comes out of your nose, it curls up and goes up, ends up riding up your, the outside of your nose and into your eye sockets. And that's how you end up with foggy glasses. So that's the point of the mesh as well as to let as much of that air out as possible so you don't fog up your glasses. So I will never tell anybody it's an absolute cure for fogging because I can fog glasses without wearing anything around my face or neck. But it's certainly uh, it helps. That's for sure. You're just one of those heavy sweater people. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, maybe I breathe heavy. I don't know what well, the deal yeah, is. Yeah, heavy that. breather. And then the, uh, the mouth the, breather. <laughs> yeah, total mouth breather, right? So then uh, – then I carried the design element through the top of the hat. So through the top of the hat, like a mohawk, is another section of, of mesh that goes from front to back that starts at about your hairline, depending on how old you are, and uh, goes back to uh, your the back of your cranium. So that was really my design to let some air out of the top of my head because I never felt cold on the top of my head. Like I said before, I only ever felt cold around my ears and my neck. And other than that, I'm going to be working outside. I want to have a little breathability. And so that's what that's the point of the mesh on both parts. So that's how that works. And then there's while we're talking about the, the nitty gritties of it, there's one more little secret detail in the back of the hat. Um, I put in a, a pocket that's sewn into the mullet part of the hat. And the design for that was that it was another, it was a friend of mine's idea. And I thought as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, that is brilliant. I'm absolutely doing that. So um, it's designed to put a hand warmer in there. So if it's really miserable, put a hand warmer in there. And actually the first time I was able to do that was last night at this parade. I put one in and uh, it was awesome and it felt great. And like I said, like sitting for four hours and not moving, again, this would not be the thing I would right. pick, but it was 30 35 degrees last night is not too miserable, and uh, and I really wanted to test out that hand warmer thing. And i got to say, man, I mean, I know it's my product, and I'm biased, but what a right. difference it made to have that hand warmer back there in that right against your neck. It just felt like a million bucks. It was great. So anyway, it's just – I know. Nobody believes me, but it's true. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's a good idea, especially when you're riding. It's just sitting there. You know, it's just sitting on the back of your neck. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in some fat bike races and uh, – uh, or even rides yeah, out in the snow at night, 
And that's where that's where that's really going to come in handy because you're still moving, but man, it is still cold. Yeah, you're in Wisconsin. Yeah, (laughs) there's a little reality coming your way. A lot of people listen to this. I mean, half the country is doesn't experience cold. Like no, yeah. So yeah. So price wise, what are what are people looking at if they're going to get in on this Kickstarter and like (laughs) delivery and and how can they trust you even though you've proven over time that you got you have all this stuff dialed i just want to make sure people listening that they're they have all the bases covered no absolutely good question so um uh this is my fifth campaign and i'm lucky enough to be in the position where i know that i can sell a certain amount of stuff just because i have relationships with some shops and i have customers that have bought things from my online store and things like that so i know i'm going to do this thing so the order was placed uh, last week for them to get started. And so I had already ordered in the fabric and, or committed to the fabric, I should say. And I had already already had the magnets from the last run. Uh, and then I committed to the washers I needed for the hat and all that stuff. So everything was ready. And so the only question mark is when they'll be done sewing. And there's always the question mark if they're going to sew it right. Like just there's all always that question that somebody could screw up the whole order. But um, I tested them with a batch of 100 units three weeks ago, and those came back really well. There was only one tiny little thing that we needed to watch on the production run, and that's super easy to adjust for, so no no sweat there. And they're made in Milwaukee. It's only an hour and a half away from my house, so I'm going to go down there on Tuesday next week and kind of drop in on them and make sure things are going right. I'm going to grab probably 50 or 100 of them and stretch them and tor- tweak on them and torque them and make sure that it's going right. And Mostly, I'm going to make sure that their QA process is, is in place that we agreed to where they're going to be pulling production on a regular basis and testing those units. And just and testing is no more than stretching it out and making sure the seams don't break or anything like that. Because I learned that lesson the hard, the hard way last time is, you know, you try to do all this stuff to not screw yourself over. And it all came down to one of their machines the last round broke. So about halfway through production... They had a guy come out and fix it. Well, he fixed it wrong. So all the seams on the second half of the production lot were too tight. So when people would go to stretch it out, a lot of those seams were breaking. So I sent out probably two, 300 of them that were like that. And then I refunded or I replaced all the ones that, that people had problems with. And then because we fixed all the ones that we had. So, you know, I averted the tragedy, but it was still like you do, you try to do everything right and it all some little gremlin sneaks up and gets you sometimes. So there's always that risk, but for the most part, things should go well. This company is really, really good. They do a lot of really big projects for very large companies in Milwaukee. I'm really lucky to be working with them. So I don't think we're going to have any issues in them. So we're looking at their due date to me uh, is December, the week of December 5th. So I told them anywhere in that week will be acceptable to me. And then I'll be shipping no later than the 12th, which should give us plenty of time to arrive by Christmas, almost two weeks delivery for at least U.S. people. And then uh, and that's the nice part, too, with this product. It's one size fits all and it's one color. So, I mean, you can't get an easier thing to ship. <laughs> so so I should be able to rifle through them pretty quick when I get when I finally get everything set up to to push out. So so we're in good shape. Don't you just have your kids packaging them all? I did. I did do that once or twice, but uh, yeah, child labor. That's why you have them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No. So uh, the other thing we didn't mention is just the uh, if somebody did have the first version, uh, just the face mask, they can just get the mullet cap, mullet hat now, and it works with it. Yep, it's retroactive. So uh, yeah, all you need is the hat, and um, and and you know, there's there's a way to hack it too. Like if you just kind of wanted to do your own, like if you had the previous version and you wanted to do your own thing, like I know one of my backers from the previous version, he was having a, I had this idea and then he emailed me. I'm like, well, that's kind of a different take on it. So he, what he had done is you, there's a product called Suguru. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but everybody should be. It's awesome. Um, essentially it's a moldable silicone like Play-Doh, but it hardens and stays put on whatever you put it on. And it's awesome. Okay. So that stuff, just in case somebody cares, is S-U-G-R-U, S-U-G-R-U. It's amazing stuff. So what he did is he sugrued in a piece of metal to the back of his helmet retention dial. Oh, there you go. And then he could snap the magnets and the previous face mask to that. So it's very similar. We arrived at the same idea. I just think the hat is a little bit of a cleaner way to uh, to 
right, right. to finish it off. So there you go. So okay, that's it, man. So I want to ask you during your testing of wearing this during the summer. <laughs> so so how do you test this when you're when you're developing this during the summer? And then uh, let's talk about the concrete story. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, testing this was really difficult. Like I I already had some prototypes before the end of cold season last year. And then um, this, I don't know if people remember, but at least in Wisconsin, this spring, winter, it went away and then it came back. So like we did our crit race for our team in May and we were like, I was wearing full on winter gear doing a crit race. So it's horrible. so I had a few chances in the spring to test some ideas out, and that was—I'm glad it worked out that way. Um, but yeah, through the summer, it's—it's it's not something you ever want to do—is put a hat on and a face mask and go out and ride in 85-degree humid weather in Wisconsin. No thanks. So I didn't do it much, to be honest with you. But this one particular day was a little chilly, and I didn't even want to ride. But I thought, well, you know, you only get so many of these chances. You better get out there. So I did. I geared up and went out and uh turns out it was a pretty good day <laughs> until until it wasn't so um i was on my way home about uh, probably about six miles away from home and i went into this road that they were doing construction on and i guess i misinterpreted where i was supposed to first of all i know i shouldn't have been anywhere around there because the whole area was under construction but i came in through a park so i was kind of like halfway in this area and just wanted to get out and, so I got on that. They had a new road and then they had a gravel road. So the new road you weren't supposed to be on. The gravel road is where the bypass traffic was supposed to travel. Well, I didn't really catch on to that. So I'm in the new new part of the road. And um, I went probably a half a mile with no problem. And then there was one section of road that they just finished that was fresh concrete. <laughs> so I didn't see it coming at all. I had no clue. So I... The next thing I remember was stopping immediately, flipping over the bars and landing in oatmeal, essentially, is exactly what it felt like. Like if you could imagine landing in a bowl of oatmeal, this is what it was like. So I guess I timed it just right. Like there wasn't even a crust over the top or anything. So, right. so, so I'm, I'm, I'm ass over tea kettle in the middle of the in the middle of the road and um, and. You know, I, I just I have this like every time I fall, even if I'm mountain biking and clearly it's my fault, there's no one around. But I just I always feel like somebody knocked me over somehow. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm looking around like, oh, who, who put a, spoke, a stick in my spoke? I know somebody's messing with me. So sure enough, there was no one there. Uh, <laughs> so I, I struggle to get out of this bowl of oatmeal because it's not easy to get out of it because it's like quicksand. So I finally get out. I'm covered in this stuff. And I didn't even really put it all together like what was going to happen next. And then there was a car wash right across the street. And I thought it finally clicked with me that this could be a real problem. Um, so I went to the car wash. I didn't have any money except a credit card with me. Well, that's not going to work. So for the pay, pay, uh, you know, the quarter operated ones. So then I went to a gas station. She didn't have anything. And then I went to a restaurant and it was like, I could start to feel it harden up a little bit on my skin. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is not good. So I went around the back of this restaurant and commandeered a, their hose that was hanging out there and just started going to town. And they came out, they're like, uh, oh, can I use your hose? <laughs> As I'm already using it. Yeah, man, go, go ahead. <laughs> and the, the lady's look at the gas station, by the way, was just priceless. She's like, uh, 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 I'm like, uh, do you have a hose bib? No. Okay, I got to go. No, I can't explain this. I got to go. <laughs> And uh, so I'm hosing myself off. And, oh, right before I got to the restaurant, I saw a guy driving in a construction truck. And I'm like, oh, hey, man. Hey, man. I, I, I totally screwed up your concrete back over there. And he, he was so cool about it. He's like, oh, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Get yourself cleaned up. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm going to town on my shoes and my clothes and everything else. And then finally it occurs to me, ah, you know, this very expensive bike Right. Should probably get someone's attention, you know. So, oh man, what a mess! So then I started going to town on the bike, and uh, I just barely got everything off. And then, you know, I'm calling my wife, like I, I gotta get, you know, I, I don't know, I forget why I was calling. She, I had to be somewhere. I'm like, well, I won't be there on time. I'm gonna be late. I'm covered with concrete. I'm a total disaster. Well, do you need me to come pick you up? Like, no, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll get home. So, um, 
eventually I got most of it off, rode home soaking wet to the bone. And then once I got home, then I had a proper sprayer and still went another 20 minutes on the bike and kept finding it like weeks later. I took it into my mechanic to have him do something. I forget what it was, something involving the bottom bracket. So we removed the bottom bracket and he's like, um, is this that concrete from when you fell? Like, yeah, yep. That's probably right. <laughs> so, so the whole time I was wearing the, the weatherneck hat, the mullet hat, I had that on. So before I cleaned myself up, I had the presence of mind to take a selfie of myself and of course post it to Facebook and a picture of the bike and everything. And, um, you know, that obviously generated a lot of comments, um, about how crazy it was to fall over in wet concrete. And nobody mentioned <laughs> the weatherneck. And nobody mentioned a word about it, which was, I was nervous about posting it because you could see it off to the side just a little bit, but mostly you would be wondering like, why are, dude, why are you wearing a thermal hat in the, in July in Wisconsin? Like, uh, don't worry about that. So the, the part that got my attention is I had not shown anybody the mullet hat yet or talked about it at all. So I didn't really, I didn't want to reveal that because I know I wasn't right yet. Right. And I didn't want to get made fun of for coming up with something so outlandish if it didn't really work. So, um, but it worked great. No, no, nobody noticed. So then, uh, I proceeded with my testing and had to get a new prototype made because those clothes were pretty ruined. <laughs> I find it funny with the, that nobody mentioned anything about it because I, that happens a lot. Like if you're really paying attention to a lot of different things, like you'll start to notice that kind of thing. But if, like companies will do it all the time, like, oh, I'm testing this, and they'll kind of black out a bike, right? That's so obvious. If yeah. you would have looked like two or three weeks earlier when there was like a, hey, I'll ride, and there's like a sliver of this little thing that looks kind of weird, that's the thing to notice because right. it goes on a lot, and you don't even realize it. And some some of it, like I'll do that every once in a while in my videos, like I'll have some Easter eggs of stuff I'm developing or or whatever else. I'll put that in the Kickstarter videos, and there was my neighbor caught one. And I was like, wow, how did you catch that? I was just, I was just curious how that all worked. So right. anyway, yeah, it's kind of fun to throw those in once in a while. I'm sure they do it on purpose, but not much gets by those big guys. But. Well, I know. And like, I just saw an Amazon commercial the other day where the delivery guy, like it was just a really short and in the corner you could see on the shoulder of the delivery guy was Amazon. Right. Amazon yep. label on it. So I was like, huh, interesting. How are they going to work that with Uber and such? But. Oh, they've been making moves. I know, I know. But it was just that point, that one second in that commercial to me was, oh, whoa, hang on a second here. So, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. serious. Oh, totally. But I, my point is, is it, it's funny how all those things end up and you end up in concrete in the weather next lane right there. And yeah, yeah. It's a good story. So, yeah, it was fun. But yeah, I don't recommend developing, I don't re recommend being a company of one and developing, um, winter gear in the summer that is champ <laughs> so okay one last question and we'll wrap this up over the process of doing all these we're not gonna i'm not gonna ask you like all the secrets of doing it but i want one thing that you've learned over this process that you didn't expect like you you go into it knowing you're entrepreneurial in your past and you kind of have an idea how things work um, but there's obviously a lot of things every day that you just didn't even know what to think about. So what has been a big surprise along the process of developing the weather neck? Let's say that that's the one thing that's stuck out to you. Well, that's a, I, I guess I'd say more from an entrepreneurial adventure point of view overall, over all the programs, it's been significantly harder to do this than I would have expected it to. And I know that sounds weird. Like if you're listening, you're thinking, well, of course, man, nothing comes easy. It's not, you're not just going to start making stuff and selling, but I don't know. I always had a feeling like I could generally figure stuff out pretty well and be relatively efficient with how I got the job done. But man, this, this inventing and retailing thing is, uh, it is, it's a butt kicker. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And there's there's some super high highs, but there's some there there's some dark, dark moments where you're just like, Man, I don't want to ever see a fix it stick again for as long as I live or what you know, like you just have those moments like I don't want anything to do with the world today. Just leave me alone. But you know you know, you know you gotta get out there and push just a, a little bit harder. Like especially during the Kickstarters, like I'll have a moment 
one day and I'll think, well, this is, things are going great. And then the next day, like there's literally nothing that changes between that day and the next day in, in any meaningful way. And my attitude about life in general is completely shifted to either being super optimistic or super pessimistic. It's just, it's such a 180. And I don't know, maybe I, maybe that's my own mental no, issues. It's, normal. <laughs> it's totally normal. But the days it's, when it's, I say, you know what, I'm done. Just take my computer. I just don't give a shit. Like t- I'm done. Like I don't want right. to do this. The next day I wake up and like tell my wife all this stuff. I'm like excited. I got this going on. I got that. Oh, you won't believe it. It's just, <laughs> it, it's normal. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause that you're, I'm never sure. And it's always so up and down. Like there's definitely, there's definitely awesome things. And like, there's moments that are so, so cool. Like the, one of the highlights was this year at Interbike, I was at the Fix and Sticks booth and this guy came up and he said, Oh, Hey man, I carry these every day. And he pulls them out. And this was the second run of Fix It Sticks I sort of made that he had in his pocket that were steel, but the bits were pressed in permanently. Yeah. And there's like six people in the world that bought those, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> and this guy's got them and they're glued to his hand. And I'm like, and I said to him, I'm like, wait, but these were black. And he said, oh yeah, that lasted about three months. I'm like, you, so it's just worn away. Yeah. So they had this beautiful patina on them from just his, the oils in his hand and how much he worked with them. And his wife is next to him and she's like, yep, he carries them every day. Work or not, he's got them every day. And I just like that moment, that knocked me on my feet. I was just, or knocked me off my feet. I was just blown away at how cool that moment was to make something for somebody else that gives, that gives him so much uh, joy is maybe too strong of a word, but it gives him so much use. I guess yeah, that that's it's just, just value. It's valuable, valuable to him. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, how cool is that? That's just, that was neat. So that was a, you know, to answer your question, I guess a different way, that was one of the most surprising positive things that has occurred out of the whole thing. There's been plenty, but that one was the most like emotionally rewarding part of it. That's been like, that's badass, man. That is cool. Like, I like that. <laughs> I want to do more of that. It's like you, you get the feeling of, you don't know how to react kind of, you get this feeling for me. It's like, um, you know, I, I went out to a, a wars race, Wisconsin off-road series races this summer. And I was out the whole weekend, uh, and, uh, at Cascade mountain and you get people like, Oh man, I've been listening to mountain bike radio for three years. And it's like, I don't even know what to say to that. That's like, cool. You don't understand. Like, <laughs> first of all, you listen when it was like, there was some pretty bad, it was just not good. Right. Sounds bad <laughs> and all this stuff. So yeah. I'm, I'm embarrassed. And then the second thought is, well, you know, my whole life, so I don't really have to tell you anything. And third off is really, you really done, you've listened to every episode in, you know, three years. That is, I don't even know what this, I, I can't thank you enough. Like, what, <laughs> what can I do for you? And they're like, Oh, nothing, man. You know, it's cool. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I love that part. And it's, especially when you said like, you're embarrassed, like, Oh, did you, did you get the ones that broke? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So you go through the same thing where you, uh, I mean, so isn't that kind of how you know that you're making improvements when you look back on your previous, let's say your first run or whatever, and you look back and you're like, oh man, really? You really had to have those? <laughs> is that, is <laughs> right. that kind of part of the process well, like, of improving? Yeah. I was talking to somebody about the first weather neck the other day and somebody was like, you know, do you kind of regret doing that uh, campaign? Cause that campaign raised 37,000 and I think this one will be about the same. And I'm like, you know, I don't regret it. I mean, certainly this one. I'm so much happier with where this product is now and it's done. Like, I feel like there's very little that I want to tweak on this thing at all. And, uh, and I don't know that I've ever had that feeling. So that's kind of neat. And, um, I said, you know, not really. Cause the first, like I kind of had to go through that first one in order to figure out all the problems and how to fix them to get to the second one. So it's just, and I, pre- that's the kind of the neat part of Kickstarter is it's, there's good and bad with it. Like all those people that bought it, like, um, I mean, it's still a totally useful product. It's not like they got hurt by any means. Um, but it's, I hope they enjoy that part of it where they can see the iteration coming across and see, well, clearly he's still not happy with it and he's working hard to make it better. And, uh, so hopefully they get that. Yeah. And I think just coming on here and talking for this long and, and putting yourself out there, like you, like you said, you're, you're pretty honest about everything. And just the fact of putting yourself out there like that, it's a big deal. 
Yeah, I struggle with filters. <laughs> no, that's a, that's uh, that can be a bad thing, but it's I think over <laughs> right. overall in the long term, <laughs> yeah, overall in the long term, I think that's a better thing. Yeah. So. Well. Time will tell, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, listeners. So if you are interested in this, I would recommend checking out the show notes. Uh, go to or go to kickstarter.com and just type in the weatherneck. Uh, you can go to the weatherneck.com and that'll have all information there too. And uh, yeah. So thank you, Brian. I appreciate the time. No problem. My pleasure. It was uh, fun chatting with you for sure. Yeah. So we'll have to do it again. And if anybody has any questions, where can they contact you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, probably info at theweatherneck.com. Will that all come to me or just Google Brian Davis? You might end up with a guy who does paintings for TCBY. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see, what, see what he has to say about it. Yeah. So here's your if – you, if you have any questions, send him an email. Also, what you can do is if you heard – you know, if you like this episode and you just want to say, hey, Brian, thanks for coming on. Send him an email and say you heard it on Mountain Bike Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Or uh, or at the Weatherneck would on the social medias would be would be neat too. So. Oh yeah, so I'll link those in the show notes as well. So if you go on there, like it, and if you order one, make sure to share it with your friends because right. for Kickstarter purposes, it's really helpful from Brian's perspective. There's seven days left, and by the time you hear this, there'll probably be like three days left. Um. It's that is the most helpful thing you can do for Brian is just to share it and let other people know that uh, that it's out there. So, yep, that is the lifeblood. I will say this too: we will definitely ship um, easily before Christmas so again, as long as everything works out well. And then there's even a way, like if somebody jumps on there and buys two Weathernecks, just today I figured out a way where I can sort of do a gift shipment. So if you buy two or more, I'll be asking if you want a different ship to address for for the second set. So you can buy one for your, for your brother or sister in a whole other state and, and give them a totally unique and cool Christmas present that they will definitely not be able to get anywhere else. So kind of neat. Cool. All right. So thank you very much. And listeners. thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Good work. Yeah. Thank you. That'll do it for the first episode of fat bike life. In the next two episodes, I have the race directors for the 45 North solstice chase in Wisconsin and the 45 North Norpine Classic up in Minnesota. So stay tuned for those episodes. They're coming soon, sometime in the next week to 10 days. And until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>